For all of you who listen to Submersion and own an Android device, go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I personally use the app and I love it. I can search for the podcast I want to listen to, select it as a favorite, and have it just a click away. Make sure to select Submersion as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Episode 116. Woo! And we are live right now, raw and uncut. Well, we are down a couple guys tonight. That's true. It's cozy in here. Cozy in the submarine uh, yes. today. We could almost be in the Merv if we wanted to, with just three of us. Almost. Yeah. Very and, classic uh, trio. It is. This is this is the squad Big throwback. Right here. Uh, we're we're throwing back for a classic submarine action film. Classic, classic action. Classic. No, no definitely not. It was, classic. Uh, was my juice. I thought this was so obviously not a classic submarine film that that would have maybe drew a laugh. <laughs> there, we, there it is. Uh, so okay, yeah. No, no, I'm laughing. But uh, no, I mean, this does. Whew. This did land right in the middle of a time that I'd call uh, me and Patrick watching every movie that came out to theater time, where we would come go to like literally anything that came out. It was summer. It was I think it was summer after my sophomore year of high school. Anything that came out, we were there. We were in the seats. It could be terrible. It could be good. It could be mm-hmm. Leo Shirley Gentleman. It could be Wild Wild West. We were there. Oh, well, this is one that we owned, and I watched multiple <laughs> times when yeah. I was young. I don't know why we own this, but you know, this is one we own. But sorry, Jamie, Ron, is that because saying? you would have uh, just turned thirteen, so you were ready to go and see all those, you know, PG thirteen movies and stuff like that? Uh, I think it was mo- it was mostly because a we were huge movie fans. My older brother ended up going to movie or to film school, and just as like a family, there was just like a lot of movies around both good, really good, like classics that he would watch. And then, um, you know, anything that really came out, we were watching because he was, he was super into movies and the whole, the whole family was pretty into movies. And then the other thing was that we worked downtown at a tennis courts and we would bike around, um, all day when we weren't on shift. And part of that was like, Oh, let's go see this movie. Cause we've got like three hours to kill before this shift starts. That makes sense. Know. And then uh, Bad Movie Twins was spawned. Yeah, kind of in some ways. That was that was the very that was a seed. I think that was birth that it. was made in the eighties, right? What's that? Bad, Bad Movie Twins. Twins. Yeah, Bad Movie Twins was was born in the eighties. Yes, I'm not like yeah, a made in the eighties, crazy nineties baby. I'm not like a tiny little baby. No, no way, you're an old man. Well, mm-hmm. Eighty-eight, uh, eighty-nine. Whoa, jeez, oh, not getting older. into that. Oh, man, this guy's like 50. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of age, it is the big guy's 90th birthday next week. You still have time to get in on the giveaways on our Twitter and our Instagram. Go ahead and get on over there for a chance to win Hunt for Red October 4K Steelbook Blu-ray. And that's on Twitter and on Instagram. Get over there and you can try to get the Sean Connery Funko Pop from Dr. No. What was his what was his birthday again? What day? August twenty fifth. August twenty fifth. Okay. Yes. So we'll be doing the drawing on the twenty fifth on his birthday to honor this man. 
and I just had some. I I totally forgot to even bring this up last week. This is this is in relation to the podcast last week. Um, but I thought it's relevant now. You know, so we had Hunt for Red October from Nintendo and Hunt for Red October from Super Nintendo. Yep. And a lot of times you'll see games released on different consoles, especially around like launch of a new console. Like right now we've got PlayStation and Xbox should be launching something new, right? So you're going to see a game come out on PlayStation 4 and then one come out on 5, one come out on Xbox One and then come out on Series X. And it's always the same game, right? Right. These games were like completely different. What? But they were they were years apart, right? I mean, it's the same name. Yep. They're like, all right, Hunt for Red October. Let's just make it completely is, different. Now that now that you mentioned that, that is a little strange. Yeah, I I was thinking about it like the other day. And I was like, wow, how didn't we? None of us talk about that because it's just it's so weird. It's not the same. Not quite the same as like oh, because you'd say. Hunt for Red October NES and Hunt for Red October Game Boy, they were very similar, and it makes sense. Yeah. But then they decided, you're right, they decided to just remake a game, but for something different. The only thing that's similar to that is me and Patrick are playing a lot of adventure games on the yeah. computer, and they redo they redo those adventure games, or they did, um, pretty frequently, because they have new graphics, and they're like, oh, we're going to make this with like, new graphics. And then they'd make like a whole new different like aspect of the game, because they're like, whoa, we have this new thing you can way you can play a computer game like we got a mouse and like they yeah, I feel they, like you got that sudden, with the ds a lot too yeah and you had oh you got this new crazy thing and all of a sudden they make this game that was similar in general but then with this like crazy aspect to it added in because of the new but it's like yeah it's the same game but maybe like a different control or something Not yeah but like, i think hey I th- we're gonna call it the same thing and make it completely different but right? i think they would have done that if it wasn't for the fact that the soviet union had fallen that's that's my theory oh that. There you go. There's a they, precedent they, for doing that, though. they the entire storyline into something crazy. Nintendo something will relabel great. games all the time. Um, it's not exactly what you're saying with Hunt for Red October because they made a new game and called it the exact same thing. But I, I know like Mar- Super Mario Brothers 2, right, mm-hmm. uh, was like a completely different game. It was about a boy that rode a magic carpet in Japan, a Japanese little, game. little Arabian boy. And then they come out with Super Mario 2 over here in America. They just reskinned it, but it's the same game. Yeah. Even funnier because oh, the, really? yeah, the idea yeah. was that the original, the real Super Mario 2 that they released in Japan, they deemed too hard for American audiences. We weren't good enough well, and they're at like, video games. Hey, let's, let's just try to uh, see what they can do with Hunt for Red October. And I think they proved themselves right there. Yeah. Huh? They were like, yeah, look at these assholes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. No, usually this would be where someone would signal something about how we were going to launch quickly into the the movie that we were watching. If only somebody could literally do that. But no one can. Hopefully we can hear it on the stream. Dive, 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 dive. What began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. Mac East Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, the artist formerly known as Brahm, Jamie the Ointment, Kyle El Capitan, and the gruesome twosome present Submersion. Submersion. 
All right. Yeah. I feel like that theme did remind me. It's, it's, it feels appropriate that the gruesome and twosome both. Are both missing. Yeah, like the unit that they are, they decided today. Yeah. It was not the day. Extra- League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, to introduce it, was not the day that they were going to be together. Although Zach, I guess, did something special for this. Yes, while Zach is not here, you will still hear his gorgeous voice later in this oh, episode. wow. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've been pretty good about showing up uh, as of late, which is Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying it, I feel, it feels appropriate. That together, like the the unit that they are, that they would. The unit, huh? Mm-hmm. The unit. All right. righty. Who's I think got there. some information on this guy? Yeah, Brom, what did we watch? Uh, we watched The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, it is an adaptation uh, from a comic book. Um, what's the comic company? Is it DC? It's not DC, is it? No, I don't think so. It says but it's it, DC. Uh, DC might have bought the the, the company that, that yeah. had this. It was released. It was an Alan Moore uh, comic or graphic novel. Yes. Yeah. And the film was released in 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comic ran uh, from 1999 to 2018. So relatively recently, they put it up on the shelf. But uh, uh, not to spoil it too much, but I've, I've heard from uh, a few sources that the source material, as is often the case, uh, is much better than the movie. <laughs> I also, and this is, you know, some aspect of the um, trivia in some ways is that this was something that they had started rolling into production prior to the release of the first issue of the comic. So it had not been released when they had a script in preparation. Really? So they were working on notes with Alan Moore. And th- th- there was a controversy involved with that aspect of it. But I can get to that to trivia. It's no big deal. Okay. Uh, the stars of this well, film, though, I mean, I think it's, it goes to the saying who the, who the star of this film is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. It is Sir Sean Connery playing Alan Quartermain. Yep. And we have a I we have like a pretty solid set cast of characters. A lot mm-hmm. of movies we get, you know, it could be I don't know, anybody. You see them maybe for like five minutes. This one, I mean, you're pretty much with these people the whole time. Yeah. And forgive me for butchering this name, but uh Nasiruddin Shah. Yeah, famous maybe, famous uh, Indian Indian actor. Yes, he plays Captain Nemo. Uh, Peter Wilson plays Mina Harker. Love him, Nikita. Tony, Tony Kieran plays Rodney Skinner. Stuart Townsend plays Dorian Gray. Shane West mm. plays Tom Sawyer. Jason Fleming plays Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And Richard Roxburgh plays M and the Phantom. Hey. And something here. Spoiler sorry. alert. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something here that blew my mind. So, I was watching this movie, and my wife doesn't really know movies that well, or actors and actresses and stuff. She cannot, she cannot face blindness. Tell me, right? Yeah, who the heck that person is? So I'm watching this movie. She comes down, and Tom Sawyer is on screen. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, like, Shane "Oh, West. that's uh, that's Shane." That's like from a walk to remember. What? Oof. She's like, uh, that's Shane. I can't remember his name, <laughs> but it's. And then I was like, I had to look him up. I'm like, I don't even know who that guy oh, is. Oh, I, I we just watched a walk to remember. Uh, I don't know if you guys, did you know, I had a website. It's called ThatMovieTwins.com. Oh, I think I've heard of it once or twice. Sorry, I, I'm not sure. Did you hear? Are you sure? Because it's ThatMovieTwins.com. I just want to make clear exactly what website I'm talking wow, about. Wow, great. Um, 
if anybody wants to go to an actual website, go to MackieStudios.com. Uh, oh, I see. Get I just us. saw yeah. him in something. Wait, you no, just saw Shane West? Oh, probably in a TV show. But uh, yeah, so, so if you want to see something hilarious, watch the scene from A Walk to Remember where Shane West is supposed to cry. Me, I watched the movie with my wife, and as we were watching it, there's a scene where he gets really emotional. He's supposed to be crying. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, he's really, really bad at tr- pretending to be cry. And my wife goes, no, no, no. He's like remembering something and maybe he's like laughing or something he's not crying and then in the end it became clear he was trying to cry and even she had to be like oh boy <laughs> like that's that's some rough stuff it was that bad oh it was it's awful um but yeah no he's he's that's what i will always remember him for trying to cry in a walk to remember and Damn. tom sawyer duh well yeah obviously hmm. but yeah the, the story that goes is that they paid sean connery 18 million dollars to appear in this film and thus could pay no other big name actor <laughs> to appear. And thus we get this ensemble of uh, basically character actors or people. I mean, I know these people from things. Like, as I said, uh, Mina, the, the woman who played Mina, Peta Wilson, she is La Femme Nikita. And like uh, Stuart Townsend was in um, Queen of the Damned. He played Lestat in, in that movie. And that's, so you, I know and, and Roxburgh, he was in Sanctum, the, the James Cameron produced film. Yeah, I feel that like, kind of I, stuff, like I recognized everybody, but just yeah, you, you pick these people not, up here yeah. and there. Well, you see, when I quote unquote recognize these people, I was because, oh, this is like, oh, Stuart Townsend, he's Dorian Gray. Like, I think that should have been Johnny Depp. Right. Uh, Richard <laughs> Roxburgh, oh, that should have been, um, God, what's his name? That guy, right? Stellan, Stellan Skarsgård. Perfect. Um, Skinner, the Invisible Man. That should have been. Uh, that should have been Anyone. like Jason Statham or something. You know? But why? And actually, I, funny, I, think I that's along with the character. I don't know. Maybe Jude Law, somebody, right? Someone Could invisible. Somebody. I don't know. Doesn't really matter who it is. <laughs> Could be anybody. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking when I was looking at these people. I'm like, oh, okay, this is like somebody close. Yeah, it's like the but oh, you're just uh, you're Jason Statham or uh, Jason Statham. Jason Fleming has been on the pod before. Yeah, what was he in? I he was that, a, he was a Zazel in X Men First Class. That's right, the Red uh, Nightcrawler. That's right. Yeah, because I liked him in that. I liked him as a Red Nightcrawler. Yeah, the Red Nightcrawler. Anyways, should we get into this? We've kind of been going for sure. A while. I think we really should. Okay, yeah, we're we're pretty far off course. All right, so it's eighteen ninety nine, and d- lest you forget where we are when we're talking about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, they give us a million intertitles to tell us exactly where we are at every point in the movie. So, 1899 in London, we open up with everyone being like, there's a bunch stop, of bobbies. Stop, What? Jason Fleming was also in Below 2002. Oh, Below. That, okay, see, I knew... Oh. Yeah, I knew he was in one that was that was uh, uh, one of the main, like, uh, submarine ones. Uh, so, yeah. wait, sorry, you said Below starring Johnny Depp? We never yes. watched that, though. Uh, correct. We ah. haven't. I, I I apologize for mentioning it and interrupting you. Nah. So anyways, we're in England. There's a bunch of old time English bobbies. They're walking around. They're like hitting their little bobby sticks. They're like, hey, what's going on here? No need to have a gun or anything of, of note. We just have these sticks because we might have to knock someone on the knee or something like that. But instead, they start hearing something like, what's that? And around comes a tank. So it's basically like the edge of between like cavalry and stuff like that. And they even say this in, in some like text crawl or whatever and everything's been like cavalry and old-timey war stuff and now we're transitioning to like the imperial age the industrial age and we're going to get these like tanks so this big old tank and it's basically crushing but like literally crushing bobbies 
as it heads toward the Bank of England, and it busts right, through the Bank of England. This part was also this part was super weird because it crushes that guy, yeah. and that guy, this guy's standing in front of the tank. He's like, "Stop! Stop! Stop!" And then you look where are the treads on the tank? They're on, on the, the side. Yeah. Where is he standing? In the middle, directly in the middle of the tank. Yep. Yeah. And he gets crushed by the treads. Wow! Well, I get crushed I by the tank. You all right? Well, all right. Yeah. Anyways, his hat got absolutely crushed by the t- treads. It fell off and fell under the treads. Anyways, he, he sure. busts into the Bank of England. They bust in and crushes all the way through, comes all the way up to the vault. It opens up, has a little cannon, busts into the vault. People come out. They have automatic rifles. They shoot a, everyone who comes in there. And we see a guy disfigured. We're like, oh, look at how disgusting disfigured. There's no trick here. There's no way someone would pretend to have like disfigured face like that. And he's got like a mask on and you're like, oh the phantom of the opera and he's the phantom and he basically they bust they open up the vault they go in there and they grab what he's really after which is leonardo da vinci's blueprints of the venice foundations bum 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 they're going to do something with venice and then there's all these hey, quick question yeah Were you about to say leonardo dicaprio uh same same person well i mean pretty much yeah but. okay immortal but, i just want to make sure yeah so there are all these newspapers they flash up and they're basically like England blaming German because they were speaking all German and stuff like that. They were kind of trick, trying to trick people, be a little tricky. Because then we see them doing the same thing, but with a bunch of German scientists. Of, of course, Germany being known for like chemistry and science and all kinds of stuff. They're getting like a bunch of scientists and that's what they're doing. They're, they're stealing scientists from this German uh, company or whatever, but they're all speaking in like British accents and walking around like with their British accents and doing that kind of stuff. And now there's newspaper stuff saying, oh boy, like England is angry at Germany. Germany's angry at England. Like things are coming to a head. There's all kinds of stuff. There's potential for world war. And of course, this is like, what, a decade before the actual world war. So you're like, what? That's not like historical. What's happening? I don't remember this. Anyways, we head to Kenya and it tells us Kenya. And uh, there in, in like a little villa is uh, Alan Quartermain. And someone comes in there, a recruiter, uh, who comes in there, Sanderson Reed, and he comes in to talk to uh, Alan Quarterman. He talks to a guy and, yeah, oh, I'll tell you some stories. Oh, it'll be fun. Adventures. And he's like, no, I need Quarterman's help. Not some some mumbo jumbo or whatever. I need action. And so then who turns around but our boy, <gasps> a Jonathan Connery. And he goes. Yeah, here we go. He's like, okay, got me. That wasn't Quartermain. I'm Quartermain. Duh. Look at my muscles. Look at my abs. Uh, 73 years old. Don't even worry about it. Wink. And what he, do uh, I need with the Empire? Right. So he's not super into this idea at all. He's like, don't want to help you. Hate Great Britain. Uh, not into it. Ready to relax. Ready to retire, which is more or less what he did after this film. Uh, but Foreshadowing. I know. Real life. All of a sudden, a bunch of assassins come in. And start shooting up people, including one of his friends. And well, he shoot his impersonator guy, right? And right in the chest, he springs into action, spry as a gazelle. Uh, probably he uh, springs up like he's fifty-five years old rather than seventy-three years old, and is tumbling all over the place, doing all kinds of crazy shit, shooting people with guns, taking out people. They've got like chest plates and machine guns and all kinds of stuff. But he's like, you know, doing all this fighting stuff. He subdues oh. everyone. No big deal. He's crazy. He even kills a guy with a rhino horn, mm-hmm. drives it through his back, out his chest, right. through the armored plate. And then one guy kind of escapes and he walks out and he's like, basically, I can shoot people from a million miles away. And so like he aims, shoots the guy, 
the guy gets injured and is brought to him and he's, he wants to quickly get some information from him, but he kills himself with a cyanide pill and he's like, damn, didn't get the information. And meanwhile, the whole place that he was staying in that, that villa place blows up in a giant explosion. So he's like, fine, I'll do it. And so they head off to London and Quartermain. Funny, your house just blows up. You're like, dude, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. And so I need he, a vacation. he heads up to London and they head up to, uh, a meeting with uh where he goes down a million stairs and ends up in this like long boardroom and m is there from james bond and says hey i'm m they call me m and um pretty much i'm assembling a league of extraordinary gentlemen ever heard of it there were a bunch of them before. He's like, no i i really haven't but yeah. uh i Basically, can't do his voice maybe brahm can do it but which one of sean connery yeah he's like I'm the man now, dog. And then I'm the man now, dog. That's what he said. And then uh, he look uh, look at me. I'm the captain now. Yeah, exactly. I'm captain. (laughs) Close, close. And so then he's like, "What? Yeah, I'm extraordinary, but you're saying gentlemen plural. I'm only saying one gentleman here. And where are all the other extraordinary men? And all of a sudden, they start bringing him out. First up, Nemo. Thank God for the podcast, right? Uh, who comes out and he's uh, he's an Indian ra- Raja or whatever. It's much closer to the actual book than most adaptations anyways. And he comes out and he's like, well, hello, I'm Nemo. And Quartermain's like, I thought you were a pirate. And he's like, I'm insulted, but that's okay. And then they're like, there's another yeah, isn't person. He, isn't he like a little fish in one movie? Yes, he yeah. is. He's a tiny little fish in one movie. And he's lost. He's mm-hmm. lost, but luckily he gets back with the help of his submarine. Yeah, Ellen DeGeneres gets him. Yeah. The Nautilus submarine. Anyways, um, he has like a booklet of other people that are going to be in it. In comes like Mina and like, who's this broad? Am I right? And Kyle, you got like a little clip for that guy, right? Oh, yeah. I've I've definitely got a clip because Quartermain, he's not too keen on uh, women necessarily being around. I've had women along on past exploits and found them to be at best a distraction. Whoa! You know what I mean. Take it easy, Mister Quartermain. Right. And so she's there, and no one. You're like, oh, what? What is she? What is she even doing? Like, we're not really sure. And it's like, oh, she's she's important for getting like one of the other members like in. And then they're like, well, who else? What's this guy? And he's like, oh, you remember the guy who was like the Invisible Man? And like, oh yeah, the Invisible Man. Well, this is another guy who's also an Invisible Man. And it's like weird, but okay. Because they're like, yeah, the first Invisible Man died. But this dude stole that guy's formula. Right. And then I think that's that's the only people that are currently part of the group, right? Because then they're going to head off to grab yes. Dorian Gray, who yeah. seems to have no superpower other than experience, they say. No, he's oh, invincible. We'll learn, well, no, they don't know that yet. But he, they're, what, what is explained to them is that it's experience, quote unquote. Uh, and and we'll, we'll come to also find be out what that is. Some should also be noted here. The invisible man, Mr. Skinner. Must be naked to be invisible. Right. And then he puts up he puts on a bunch of like powder to make himself non invisible. And it is funny here where like they use computer graphics to make him invisible. And oh they, my god. It was fairly yeah. impressive, like the computer graphics that they had at this time, two thousand three. Looked pretty good, especially like putting on the jacket, all this kind of stuff. So like, okay, cool. Yeah. And then when they when he would put on the powder and be like, and now this is how I'm not invisible, they would just cut to another scene and he would just be a person in like white makeup. And you're like, great. Oh, yeah. yeah you're like, wow, well, you just dip that <laughs> dude in like of, a bunch of cocaine and flour or something. Right. But, Similar yeah. thing they did with Jekyll and Hyde. They just kind of made a big flash 
on the yeah. screen, and then they would like have a, a different version of them, and then a, another flash on the screen, and another version. Like you could tell they were taking a step away and adding right. more prosthetics to the guy. Yeah, very similar. He, what he looked like was more or less like a, you know that movie, The Powder. Yes. Yeah. So it's like that. Not check on the side. I don't I mean, know. I don't know what lightning. they had. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Powder. You never seen Powder? No, never seen Powder. Isn't there a yeah. sequel? Is there Powder Two? Yeah, there might be. My God, even more lightning. Anyways, they head off to Dorian Gray, which is on the inner title, the London Docks, and they head out <gasps> there to Mina's former lover. Uh, and so they head in there, and they're like basically talking to him. And he seems like a total dick face. He looks like a. It's like you would just want to punch him. He's punch him in a stupid face. He's got a tiny little mustache. He's like so. Does and like, they're like, what are you, oh. like a Johnny Depp impersonator or something? He's like, yeah, yeah. And then you know, yeah. they look and they're like, oh, why are you missing a portrait? He's like, don't even worry about it. And I'm as a viewer, I'm like, oh, kind of worried about it. And then uh, there, there's not around. a powder sequel, just to clarify. Well, I would, yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. But anyways, uh, they so anyways, they get all of a sudden you see they get surrounded by bad guys. The Phantoms henchmen are there, and the Phantoms there. Oh my god! But up there, there's someone who was following them, a young scrappy buck. Who's up there? And he's like winking at Quartermain. He's like, "What up? I'm ready to. I'm ready to go after it." And Quartermain's like, "Cool, cool beans up there." And he's like, "Good to go." And then all of a sudden, they get in a big firefight. They kill all these people. Dorian Gray's invincible. That's what we find out. Basically, his portrait, obviously, keeping him young, and is taking all the damage that he has over time. And so he gets shot a whole bunch of times, but he basically survives and is able to kill a bunch of people. Oh, he gets shot like a million times oh, a million. with a fully automatic gun. Like right, I mean, point blank. Right to the chest, man. Yeah. And then, is this where, do, do we find that Mina is a vampire here? Yeah. Ooh, do we? Oh, I think, yeah, I think yeah. she goes off and bites somebody. He yeah. bites, she bites someone here. Oh, yeah, because she, she's t- kind of taken hostage by someone. And then she bites them. Uh, Quartermain goes after the Phantom, who's able to escape, um, and all that kind of stuff. And meanwhile, Nemo's down there, and it's great, because... People have guns pointed on him, and he pulls out a sword, and he's like, I walk a different path. Mm-hmm. And he just kills him with the sword. They don't even attempt to shoot him with the guns. Well, he's, he's doing all kinds of martial arts. And so anyways, they're like, okay, well, now that we've got this next up Venice, right? And they're like, no, no, no. First up, we got to go to Paris because we've got one more member to pick up. And that's basically old, uh, what is it, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde over there is ravaging Paris right now. He left London, ravaging Paris. We got to capture him and get him on our side because he's like an indestructible weapon. He's basically what you'd call, how would I describe him? He's kind of incredible and he's also like a hulking being. What would you call him? I I think I might call him extraordinary. An extraordinary Hulk. Good call. And so the uncanny uh, Hulk. Good one. And so then they're like, okay, how are we going to get to Paris though? And up rises the most gigantic submarine I've literally ever seen. It's huge. Oh, it's a Nautilus. Massive, man. And it is almost laughable how giant it is because then they're like, and off to Paris. And I'm like, how do they get to Paris? Do they park off the coast of France and then like hike to Paris? Like, it's like, I know. Are well, they taking that there's, giant there's submarine scenes. down the, the Seine or whatever? Ugh, there's, there's scenes later that we'll have to talk about. Even more. Where yeah. They, my God. Where they take this submarine because it is huge. I mean, it is. So big, even inside the submarine, there's like marble columns. It's too but huge. Something. So, I mean, like a lot of movies we see, we typically see it in like bad movies or whatever. The submarine will be like in a giant warehouse, right? And it won't look like a submarine at all. 
This they did pay some attention. I don't know if you noticed they were walking down a hallway. There were bulkheads that they had in the sub. And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess they're putting some thought into this. I mean, yeah, it's a fictionalized submarine, so is what it is. But yeah, so then they head off to uh, head up to Paris, and just a very brief scene of getting uh, 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 Mr. Hyde or Doctor Jekyll or whoever. Uh, oh yeah, and there's I, a really good quote here because he's, he's jumping along the the tops of the buildings and stuff like that. Do you have a quote? Oh, I have a quote because Mr. Hyde is doing some stuff that Alan Quartermain doesn't necessarily like. That was naughty. <laughs> it was naughty. <laughs> okay, great, <laughs> awesome. Uh, and so yeah, so he's he's kind of teaching young Tom Sawyer a little bit of the craft because. Tom Sawyer's like, shooting his guns a whole bunch. He's American. He's like, oh, boy, I'm American. Oh, cowboy. And he's like shooting guns. And he's like, what, are you going to shoot like a million times? Like, that's dumb. And so he does like perfect shots every time to get uh, the Incredible Hulk into a net and get like captured uh, and pulled right onto the submarine. And then when they go and see him on the submarine, he's like destroying stuff. And they just think he's like this giant kind of like hulk hulking person and they're like oh look look at this monster but then he like slowly calms down and becomes just a regular sized person like oh shit he's like a he's like a person with this like monster inside him but i mean when we say monster this guy is hulking huge 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 biceps bigger than my body but and his shirt always rips off that type Everything of stuff. Everything rips off. He has like a giant. He's even not holding his pants. His, he's holding his pants up though because he must have put on some giant pants to wear while he was a monster. You think? You think he yeah. does that? You think he's got enough self awareness to be like, I need to let me get my size like sixty eight pants and put these on real quick. I think so. Wow. So, anyways, they head well, off now. Now they're ready. They're ready to go after Venice. So they head off there, and this is where we can talk about it. They're cruising to Venice, and they're they're cruising the canals, and I could not help myself. Ridiculous. While I was watching it, I was like, Googling, how deep are the canals of Venice? Do you know how deep they are? Like yes. 14 feet? 1.5 meters to 2 meters. <laughs> what? That's it? Yeah. It's wow. shallow. And this is, this, this is the biggest submarine I've ever seen, just cruising around these little canals. The it's sword dumb. of the ocean. It's not it's, the sword it, of the canal. It does not make any sense. Uh, we actually do see another submarine here in this this scene briefly, but anyways, very briefly. And for a second here, I thought because like the Nautilus is going underneath these bridges, and I thought it was just going to continue on and on and on and keep going. But I'm like, there's a giant sail on the back of that, yeah. and at least they acknowledge that, right? Because they say we can't go any further. Yeah. The only, the only. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I think I, I jumped ahead a little bit. They did have some scenes while they were going between Paris and and Venice where they establish a few things. One is like uh, everyone's in love with Mina, but like Dorian's got some kind of connection to her from their past, and so there's like a a, a love scene between them. Which is kind of weird because he like shatters a glass and like cuts her and stuff like that. Doesn't seem particularly sexy, but they uh, they you maybe know. you just don't know what love is, man. No, they do make love. Um, I'm not going to say sex because this was truly love making, uh, and so they, they make love. Uh, and then we see that some some weird stuff is happening. There's like some sabotage. They're a little bit off course, which is weird. But there's like uh, like a some some powder and they 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 think it's from someone taking a picture of like the special technology that's on the Nautilus and they're like hmm that's weird and then like uh Dr. Jekyll uh, or sorry Mr. Hyde 
Is that right, Doctor? Oh, whatever. Whichever one uh, finds figures yeah, out. Yeah, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yep. But one of he figures out one of the vials are missing, and everything that's happening, they're kind of thinking. Well, it may, the mo- the thing that makes the most sense is that uh, the Invisible Man Skinner, uh, sorry, an Invisible Man Skinner, is uh, right. Do not do not. He has not the, terms the Invisible Man. Uh, he's an invisible man, Skinner. Uh, he must be doing it because he hasn't been seen around because he's, well, he's invisible. And, uh, you know, these are things that would be the easiest for an invisible man to do. And so they, they, they all start being like, Skinner is a bad guy. He's hiding from us and he's bad. And so they, they already know there's a, there's sabotage foot, a saboteur, if you will. Um, <sighs> say it isn't so. Uh, and so while, even when they get to Venice, they're kind of aware of the fact that Skinner seems to potentially be on, on the other side. That's what they think, at least. And so, anyways, yeah. and they, there's nowhere to be found. No, and so they get there, and there's like a big party going on. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be kind of a meeting of Germany and England, with the idea being that the Phantom's going to kill everyone there and and cause a world war. But like, they're they're so they're going to try to stop that. But they look and they're like, it's a, kind of like a carnival. It's like a it's like a Halloween party or a costume party or something like that. And when they get there, they're like, we got to find the bombs. But immediately the bombs start going off. They're all under Venice, and they start blowing up the foundation of Venice. And they're like, shit, what do we do? We're like, we're done. The whole city's going to collapse. Look, we can see it. It's like dominoes. And all of a sudden, Quartermain's like, that's what it is, dominoes. We got we got to destroy a building far enough in advance that we will stop the chain reaction, uh, starring John Travolta. And uh, he, so they, they're like, but how are we going to do that? We're not fast enough. And all of a sudden, Tom Sawyer comes out with his car and spins around because Nemo has a car. I forgot to mention that. And it's like, uh, hop in. So Mina hops in, Quartermain hops in, and off. Oh, and, and Dorian Gray hops in, and off they go. Dorian Gray jumps out to do some battle with someone. Mina flies out, being a vampire, to like kill a bunch of people. And then Quartermain sees a tiny little, a little, little submarine with the Phantom. And I was like, wow, this is, this is a submarine. Uh, and it's like, I'm going after him. And so he jumps out of the car too. So all that's left and is Tom to Sawyer to go after like, the thing. This is where you really see. Quartermain's super power mm. ability. Why he is included with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He jumps out of this car, probably going like, what, 60 miles an hour, something like that? Well, it's, it's back in the 1899, so who knows? That car may have been going 12 miles per hour, and they'd be like, wow, right. it's super fast. <laughs> I mean, whatever. <laughs> it looked like it was moving pretty darn quick. Right. He jumps out of this thing. And just lands squarely on his feet. Yeah, just ready to I go. I mean, doesn't doesn't roll, doesn't do anything. He's just like, ha It's like, there we go. He's sure-footed, man. That is his superpower. Yeah, so he and goes also, off- he does have a little funny line because, uh, like you said, Mina is killing some people. Yep. And he's just got he's just got some goofy stuff here. The vampire lady has recovered. The vampire lady. That's how I just knew right there. I was like, she's the vampire lady, man. Right. And so he jumps out. And, and Quartermain, he goes after uh, uh, the Phantom, and he kind of is able to um, – he's able to kind of subdue him or corner him or whatever. And it's basically like, hey, I know you have a mole, uh, and we know that it's Skinner. And the Phantom's like, <laughs> do you know? And then like, uh, uh, pretty sure. meanwhile, Tom Sawyer is like going off, and they're like – what are we going to do? Are we going to be able to do it? 
uh, get ready to draft it, even though the, the Nautilus is being compromised as well. Because we see Dorian Gray return to the Nautilus and start sabotaging everything. Saboteur! He's the saboteur! Skinner's not the saboteur at all. He even admits it to a guy. Yeah, he even right? says, like, I am the saboteur. That's what he says. I don't know. And then he shoots a guy, but he doesn't kill him, and then that guy can rat him out. He's like, dude, that guy totally just shot me, and before I die, I need to let you know. He's the one. Yeah. And then Quartermain's able to unmask the phantom he's able to get him down and be like who are you and it turns out that it's m <gasps> what a twist the very man who recruited him for the league of extraordinary gentlemen and he's like eh, sorry bro i'm gonna be heading out and he's able to uh throw like a knife or injure him and like get get away and all of a sudden and, and quarterman's like shit it's like ben m the whole time uh, meanwhile, Tom Sawyer, he's able to just get ahead of everything, set up a flare for the Nautilus to shoot off a, I guess not a fish. In this case, it's kind of more like an eagle. Uh, it's it, an SLBM, man. Into the air, and then it goes and blows up the building and stops the chain reaction. So they save the day. Hooray. And everyone is like blown pretty up excited about it. Yeah. Get it done. Something that should also be noted here, and it was just it was just a split-second thing, and I don't understand where it came from at all, but when they get to... Paris, sorry, Venice. Venice. When they're in Venice, Jekyll gets off the sub and they're like, we need Mr. Hyde. And he's like, no, I'm not going to let him control me anymore or something like that. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, where did this change of heart come from? I'm like, why? Why just now are you going to? It's me and it's love. Is that what it is? I think so. And so anyways, they get back and, and Quartermain's basically like, it's M. And they're like, Shit. But then they see also like Ishmael comes out and it's basically like, uh Dorian Gray just told me before I die that he is the saboteur. And then he dies. Uh and he dies. And they're like, oh shit. And they look up and they're like, oh boy, there's a saboteur right there. And he goes out in some stupid looking uh little pod and like flies away from the Nautilus. And they're like, shit, we let the saboteur get away. And so what he leaves there, he leaves something with like a ringing bell. They're basically in the Nautilus and they go out to sea and they're trying to chase them. They can track them. And they're so they're tracking after uh, Dorian in this like little pod. And they, they hear like a ringing and they, they get a phonograph disc and they put it onto the thing. And they're like, uh, what does it say? And basically it's an entire expository explanation of the exact plot that's occurring, which is still a little convoluted because M's basically like, you fell right into my clutches, which is always the craziest because it's like he recruited the only people who could possibly defeat him. Most notably Quartermain, which he wasn't even stealing any particular uh, special talent from. But basically the idea is that he needed special talents to sell for the upcoming world wars that he predicts will happen, which kind of did happen. But he's like stealing vampiric blood so he could make people vampires. He's stealing the formula from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He can do that. He's stealing Invisible Man's skin so he can make people invisible He and, and that kind of stuff. Quartermain was the only one who could get, oh, we are, how did I explain this? Not close. Ish. I mean, we a little bit. Yeah. But they, and basically he's like, you've fallen right into my track. Quartermain was the only one who could get mr hyde so we couldn't avoid having him on here and that's that's like a little bit treacherous and you brought tom sawyer on which we didn't plan on but still everything fell into place we got all the pieces that we wanted they flash back to all the times that dorian gray was collecting all these pieces of of these uh special talents and now you're all gonna die because guess what this thing this disc has actually triggered self-destruct and the nautilus is going down 
and it explodes. The Nautilus is sinking to the end of the bottom of the ocean. Uh, it crashes and burns. Everyone dies, and that's the end of the movie. So I guess we were yeah. pretty close. Oh, pretty sorry. Incredible. I mean, yeah. No, Incredible is a good extraordinary, really. No, Incredible is a good word because the Incredible Hulk, uh, aka <gasps> uh, Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll, uh, he takes his potion despite his misgivings and decides, I'm going to use this to save the boat. And he goes down. He's able to. Uh, what's it? What, what is what is the term? He's able to blow the ballasts and uh, and yeah. allow the Nautilus to rise back up to the surface. They're able to fix up the fix up fix up the boat. And something interesting here with Jekyll and Hyde is rather than just have you know a lot of movies you have an inner dialogue with yourself where you're just you can hear their thoughts. He'll look into a mirror or yeah, whatever and see a reflection of whichever one they're not. If if you're mm-hmm. Hyde, you'll see Jekyll. If Jekyll, you'll see Hyde, and so forth. So they kind of communicate that way. And it was done. It was done in a clever way. Like he would look into like a window or like a small like a piece of metal on like a locket or something. Where it wasn't always like in his mind or something like that. It was always like little reflective areas around the screen that he would kind of turn and talk to himself. Right. Um, so, anyways, they're they're at a bit of a loss at this point. Well, how are we going to find uh, where we need to go? But turns out Skinner, good guy, uh, is actually stowed away on board of that little pod because he's invisible and hard to see because he's so invisible. So he's tiny. He's in there with M and Dorian Gray and he's naked. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just doing his thing. And he says, guess where we're going? Mongolia. Oh, Mongolia, baby. The frozen no frozen lakes of Mongolia. Get on board because you got to head over here. Take these people out. And so basically, they've got it all set up. They have this factory in Mongolia Seems again just like that uh, that nuclear power plant in the Arctic that those terrorists had in Hunt for Red October. I'm a little bit questionable about like the so, trade routes here for these frozen lakes of. Do you, all right, mean? all right. Hear me out on this. Mm-hmm. Total conspiracy theory. But Connery, Hunt for Red October. Connery, producer on this movie. Mm. You think he's like, hey guys, just throw me a bone here. Put some kind of power plant. In this frozen tundra. That's true. And they'd be like, oh, this is a kind of a, wouldn't you say this is a terrorist ter- power plant? And everyone turns around and goes, actually, yeah, that SNAS game was actually pretty good. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So anyways, they're like, okay, we got to infiltrate that place. They've got all kinds of scientists. They got the scientist families and they got technology and we got to take them all out. And they're like, great. And they're like waiting and they, Skinner comes and there's like a tiger at some point, whatever. It's no big deal. It's all very artistic. And Skinner comes and basically I'm naked. I'm cold. Um, by the way, here's how we get in. Here's how we're going to split up. And we're going to take out all the people involved. And it's going to be no big deal. And so they run into this place. They start freeing everyone. And they're they're all geared up. Like uh, M is all geared up to take all this technology and start selling it all over Europe. And it would start a world war almost immediately. An arms race that would culminate in a world war immediately. And he's all set for it. And all of a sudden, they start getting an alarm. Uh-oh. People are getting freed. And he's like, they're like, shit. Well, that can't be good. And all of a sudden, we get all kinds of battles going on. Quartermain's going after M, uh, a.k.a. James Moriarty, because he's, he's revealed to be actually the arch nemesis of Sherlock Holmes, James Moriarty, a.k.a. the <gasps> Napoleon of crime. And then uh, Tom Sawyer's kind of helping out with that plan. Skinner's helping out, like, uh, putting bombs in places to light stuff on fire. Uh, other people are freeing people. And that kind of stuff. And they kind of have to start doing battle with all the different technology. Other than vampires, oddly. There's no vampire. But there's like someone. someone, yeah, that's true. Someone turns themselves invisible and and Tom Sawyer has to do battle with that person. Someone turns himself into a even crazier huge uh, 
Incredible Hulk, Jekyll, Mr. Hyde monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that the, uh, that Dr. Jekyll has to do battle with. And then Quartermain's just doing battle with, uh, Moriarty, uh, slash M, slash the Phantom. I think and, they were calling him the, the Abomination. Right. And so. Hulk. Yeah. So and then a- Mina and Dorian are fighting. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dorian, Dorian sucks at this point. He's, he's hanging around, but he, he just kind of sucks. And yeah, Mina is able to kill Dorian by revealing his portrait. Um, and that he like absorbs back like the ages, the years and years and years that he's in. He grows old and becomes like a gross skeleton. It's like creepy and gross. Uh, Tom Sawyer is able to barely survive, um, the invisible man slash a flame throwing robot of sorts. Uh, whatever. All right, hold on. With the help of Scanner. That guy was dressed as the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He had, like, the same type of outfit on, but he was just equipped with a flamethrower. Yeah, he was, he was really he was, he was really using that flamethrower, though. Oh, um, he was, if you have a flamethrower, you're going to use it, man. Yeah. yeah. And then Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he's able to uh, get into, like, a weird, like, a, it's like an icicle cavern of sorts, and... The, the other Hulk is basically able to about to kill them, but then they're able to explode him or the explosions happen and, and kill him. And the so last was really funny there, too, is Hyde is fight. He's doing battle with the abomination and Nemo is leading like the prisoners out and Hyde's yeah. like Nemo. <laughs> and so Nemo runs and turns away and he's like, get out of here. He's like, what? you just called me back, man. Right. It made no sense. And so then... You guys recall that at all? No? You don't recall that? No, there's just so much happening at this point. And uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot happening. And Quarterman... So Quarterman, he gets injured while he's fighting M. And M is able to jump out of this building. And at first, I was just like, that's the craziest looking thing. Because he, he has some kind of like parachute, like cape thing. Yeah. And he just jumps like a, out of the top of a tower and like lands on the ice. No big deal. It was Batman's cape. Yeah. And he's it running like away now. suit cape combo. Yeah. And and Quartermain's he's injured uh, mortally. We we don't know that at the point, but Tom Sawyer comes and he's like, "Oh shit!" Like he's getting away. He's like, "We got to shoot him." And he brings the gun to Quartermain. He's like, "I can't. I'm I'm hurt. My shoulder." And he's like, "You're gonna have to do it, son." No, his glasses were broken. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. He can't see because he's old. He's yeah. an old man. Uh, and then he's like, "You got to do it, son." And basically, they like kiss each other on the lips and stuff. It's weird, but. Uh, they and yeah all that kind of stuff and tom sawyer goes over and does remembers all the lessons that he learned from sean connery basically just wait just wait just hold 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 shoot and he shoots the guy and he's about to get to his hit the submarine and so he's already pulling on his dick like he's he's got it like half unfurled when he gets like shot by it and i'm talking about more already and he falls on the ice he's like uh and that's the basically the end except they turn quartermain he dies in Tom Sawyer's arms. And he's like, no, quarterback. And like, we got to take this boat back from Mongolia. How'd we even get here? Seems like it's a million miles away. My God. Let's go back to Kenya real quick. And we got to, cause we got to bury him where he, where he was like blessed. He's never going to die. Africa won't let him die. So they go back to Kenya. He gets buried next to his, I think his son. Is that right? Or his wife or whatever. I, well, uh, all right. So remember earlier in the movie, he, when he was talking about women being distractions, he's like, I've buried a lot of wives, yeah. a lot of mothers and stuff, and then they bury him in this graveyard. So yeah, I think it could it also next- be his son, because he's talked about yeah, it. Yeah, he talked about his son, son has died, yeah. And then he buried, and then we see this end, and they're like, we're going to use our things for good for the sequel. 
don't know anymore about it and and they leave and a, and a witch doctor comes up and actually you know that may be a i don't even know if that's correct i don't know if it was a witch doctor it may have been just a regular person i have no idea but he comes up and he, he starts said like he chanting was blessed by a witch doctor okay. at some point fair enough so it's a witch doctor and he comes up and he starts chanting and stuff like that and a lightning bolt hits the grave and the implication is of course that he would be a reborn, but we do not see a zombie hand come up and grab that rifle. I was just waiting for it, man, just for that hand, Connery's hand, to shoot up and grab that thing. One, oh. one would have thought, but did not happen. That would have made this a 12 out of 12. As it is, it's 11 and a half out of 12. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> and that is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. 2003 instant classic one best picture it did best screenplay hey you're, stomp, you're stomping all over trivia <laughs> oh sorry 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 uh who wants to go first in terms of ratings well actually we do have Ooh. zach if we would like to hear his take first yeah, let him go first all right let's do it it's time for zach's review Zach's review, just gonna hear it. Zach's review. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, gentlemen, Zach's review. Come on, Zach. I gave it a three. It was Zach's review. He gave it a three. Tighten it up. <laughs> There it is. There it is. Everything. Is that actually it? Wow. Okay. That's it. (laughs) That was great. Cool. I was expecting, you know, (laughs) maybe anything. I love that. uh, But not that. I wasn't sure what that was. I don't know. Yeah. Who wants to go next? (laughs) I I prefer that over what I had in my head. Uh, I'll jump in next because I was actually going to give it the same score. Whoa. Uh, Say what? Th- this film was bad. I, I I remembered it not getting very good reviews. I didn't realize it was reviewed as poorly as it was, but it was right, well yeah, deserved. People hated this. Yeah, it was really bad. I was r- taken aback. And I don't know if it was in large part to not having a lot of talent around Sean Connery, but I really don't suspect that was the issue. I just think it was not very well adapted uh, from the comic books. It was very campy uh, and just stupid. I mean, it didn't make sense. Too many loopholes for me. Um, and I think that it set the tone early again, like the guy gets run over by the, the tank tread, and it's just like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, no, man. Um, I think the most interesting things for me, um, I did like, I did kind of, there was kind of like the twist for me and maybe I just missed it or whatever, but it was, a, it was a twist for me. I'm like, so wait, they're, they're just like, like 20, 20 years behind on technology or whatnot. And they're like amazed by like technology they would have discovered like 20 years later or something. And then it was revealed that there's this guy who's, uh, stealing all the world's scientists and, and, Basically, they're developing technology under coercion, uh, and this guy's just grabbing all those people. And so he's got he's his guys are the only people with this technology. I'm like, okay, that's kind kind of interesting, but I don't know. 
there's kind of, uh, what is it, simultaneous discovery and stuff too. I feel like just because one or two scientists are doing something on one corner of the earth doesn't mean that other scientists aren't also working toward the same end. And sure, they might be a year or two behind the preeminent scientist, but I don't know. Kyle, Kyle, are you am I blowing your mind right now? You're blowing my mind, man. Looks You're like it. it. Um, See, staring right at you. Yeah. Piercing gaze. Um, have you guys ever seen Penny Dreadful? It's no. similar, right? Yeah, like similar ex- concept. Uh, bafflingly similar. I, I'm a huge Penny Dreadful fan. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And I didn't realize that the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was like u- utilizing like literary characters just the way Penny Dreadful did, even using the same characters. Uh, Dorian Gray's the bad guy, mm. and uh, one of the bad guys. So is, so is Dracula. A few others uh, show up in Penny Dreadful. Uh, Frankenstein's monster, uh, who kind of is the corollary to uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, who aren't in Penny Dreadful. Uh, but they just kind of fill that same role with Dr. Uh, Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. Um, is, a, is it an animated thing or is it a live action? No, it's a live action. It's live it, action. It's really good. Yeah. There's even the American Gunslinger played by Josh Hartnett. And I was going to say, the, I know it because it's Josh Hartnett. And like, the absolute, I'm a huge fan of it. And the craziest one is, okay, we've got... Sean Connery, who's the leader of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Penny Dreadful are led by Timothy Dalton, who also played oh, James Bond. Very nice. Wow. Like, I'm like, what the heck? This is crazy. <laughs> so when I was watching this, I was just like, this is like a really shitty Penny Dreadful. Um, yeah. they, I mean, they even had the Vampire Huntress and all that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. pre- pretty wild stuff. Um, and these characters I just didn't enjoy uh, and was definitely happy to see this one uh, end. Uh, I was kind of dozing off throughout it. Uh, so I'm going to give it a three as well. So I can jump in. Uh, I think I'm going to come in a little bit higher just because I think there were aspects of it that I was surprised that I liked a little bit. I did like uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, kind of the um, – it's weird It's weird to say because you, you did talk about how basically as you went from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde and back – you would often just like jump from one like large makeup thing that this person had to get into contraption. This person had to get into to an, another one until you were the big monster. But I thought he looked kind of interesting when he was doing. I didn't. I didn't love so much when they did the crazy huge one, the abomination, because that yeah. was all computer animated yeah, and it was terrible. not very good. But like he was actually kind of interesting looking. And the 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 when he would communicate with himself in like mirrors and stuff like that, I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought he. I thought he. That character was done like the best and actually yeah, had some interesting things to kind of chew on a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there were some technological things that this was doing that in 2003, I think, was starting to be with the Matrix having been 1999 and continuing to now uh, to that point, 2003. I think it had been uh, some steps of saying this is what we can produce, but they weren't necessarily yet doing it in a way that was going to be perfect. But – I can't give it too high of a score because I do think when I look at it, I look at it and kind of say, where is this fall on like a Batman scale? Like if you're looking at Batman, you would say, is this Batman? No. Is this Batman Returns? Hell no. Is this, um, you know, Batman Forever? You're like getting closer. Yeah. And then he's like, is this Batman and Robin? You're like, no, 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 no. It's better. Than, I think it's better. It's better than Batman and Robin. Like uh, Batman and Robin's crazy and it's a lunacy. It's just like insanity that they even made that the way that they made it. Well, this kind of comes in somewhere between those two. And I don't even like Batman Forever. And that's kind of the point. 
is that I think it's it's not complete and utter uh, kind of campy garbage that they made a mistake in how they did it. Um, I almost look at it more like the Tom Cruise, the mummy uh, mm. thing where it's just, it was just a mistake how they started a franchise. Like the, the franchise could have been good. They could have started off on a, a foot that was good. This was not the way to do it. And it, that's in the end of it. It's not really anything crazy, horrible to the point where you have to say, Oh, it's, it's terrible. But like you look at the mummy and you say they could have had something that was interesting, a franchise that was more horror based than action based but they decided to make it a Tom Cruise film and it's not very good. And this is like, they could have had something that was like the Avengers, but instead they tried to make the Avengers without having any backstory for anyone for all these characters and stuff. And nothing ever makes sense. And you don't actually ever learn about anyone and you get to the end of it and you're like, what was the point of that? I don't even like it. But I think, I think there was enough kind of small pieces to it that I liked to say that I think it probably would come in like a, maybe a four. So coming a little ahead of that three, like a four. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, finish up here. I, like I said earlier, this is a movie that I watched for whatever reason a number of times when I was younger. This is something we owned. I don't really know why, but I didn't think the acting was bad, even by these people that I mentioned are not the A-listers, and they look like the, like. Z-listers. Yeah, like the A-lister doubles or something. They're, they're, I don't B, they're, they're, they're straight up B-listers for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought they did fine. Uh, Sean Connery, you know, doing his thing. And some of the stuff that I had issue with in the movie was like when Dorian Gray got shot a mm. million times. His shirt torn to shreds. Mm. Next scene we see him in, full suit. Perfect. Looks good. No, no holes in it. Nothing like that. Invisible, an invisible man mm-hmm. gets third degree burns on him by the flamethrower guy. We see him at the funeral. He's totally invisible, and you could see him because you could see his skin was burned. But he was totally invisible later. There were things like that. If you would just keep watching, you're like, oh, that's that's kind of funny. They their shirt was ripped a second ago, and now it's not. You know, and what's going on with that? But ah, uh, the. Just some of the weird stuff with it. There were a lot of these like little one-liner things. Mm. And I know these are all literary characters and stuff, but when Nemo introduces Ishmael, or no, they get into the car, <laughs> like, just call me Ishmael. And then, you know, there's all this little stuff like that, that you're going to, these things from books and stuff that don't, they don't add anything to the movie other than you can be like, oh, okay, I guess they're going to pull that in now. You know, when are we going to see, like, when are they going to fight a giant whale? I would have loved, I would have loved if they were brought in, just started to bring in, like, random stuff where it's, like, Casablanca quotes and stuff like that. Or, like, a just, like, yeah, a Hulk like, part what the heck of. Was that? God, yeah, where's Harry wind. Potter? Right, exactly. Where you're just like, <laughs> yeah. 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 And <laughs> M's like, we need the Sorcerer's Stone. Like, <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> what? Just <laughs> so, so start being crazy. Well, I mean, that, that's an alternate future where we're, we're in the seventh. Uh, the Philosopher's Stone like is the, actually something from a piece of literary fiction. I'm pretty sure. Fine, right? they, where, where, where you start to get Edward from the Twilight series in the, <laughs> as like part of the Extraordinary Gentleman. Good. Yeah, like someone's Edward like, "Oh, I'm Team hands. Jacob. I'm Team Edward. Exactly. Yeah, I'm Team Moriarty." Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. So I, I'm Christian Grey, of- and you're like, "Wait, I don't. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you fan fiction of uh, Twilight?" Yeah. Exactly, man. So, 
There's a lot of weird, weird stuff like that. Things that I don't know. <laughs> Not exactly like how we described it, but no, no, exactly like how we described it. Right. If only. Um, that whole, and then there was that scene in the library when there's a giant fight. Well, it's a Dorian Gray's, and it's cool at first. Like there's just paper flying everywhere because bullets are flying like crazy, and then the bullets stop flying, but the paper never slows down. It is just constantly flying the whole time, and something. That I did appreciate, and I did mention it earlier, is there were multiple times when Nemo was confronted by someone with a gun, and he's like, hold on, I got a sword. And I think whenever you have a gun pointed at someone, and they have a sword, you have to honor the code, right? You go hand-to-hand combat. You can't just use the gun. I know Indiana Jones did, but he broke the code, right? You don't go hands versus someone's sword, though. Like, well, all right, I mean, you know... I think the, the emphasis is more on the person that brought a sword to bring something better if they ever get another opportunity and you try to kill that person with the sword. I will say, I, I was just Don't watching a bring a, a sword movie. to a gunfight. I, I will say, I, I, was, I was watching a movie where it actually seemed to be, that it made some sense that someone would show up with a sword and the person who had a gun would be like, I'm using my sword. Because it was post-apocalyptic. And, and ammunition is limited. Yeah, so ammo is limited. So then when they saw someone with a sword, they were like, good, I can use my melee weapon. All right, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So but I, was wondering, I, was like, I was like, oh, actually, for the first time, I think I understand that this actually makes sense in the scenario that they're presenting it in a movie. Yeah, but they yeah. always have that in a movie, right? And I mean, there's no way. Right. Any, 100% of the time, you're going to do what Indiana Jones did. Just, okay, gotcha. That's over with. And then I don't know what we would have done because we wouldn't have had the Nautilus or anything like that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of retro futurism type stuff. Well, the only thing this. is that it wasn't at all. It, the only counter is that it was at all a scheme. They didn't actually want to kill them. Oh, very true. But then they would, would you die for a scheme? Would you let somebody cut you down with a sword? You're like, dude, I guess my boss says I can't kill a dude, but yeah. he can slice me wide open. The only, the only weird thing is why he, why they even went to Dorian Gray's place. Because Dorian was in, Dorian Gray was in on the plan. Why they even went there and attacked. I guess only to bolster the, the excuse, but even then Dorian Gray could have been like, Yeah, I'm in. Oh, and then that would have made way more sense. And then something I would have also liked to see, we had that tank right in the beginning. And that was like a pretty pretty cool scene, I guess, with that. And we didn't get much more of that. You when they went to the factory and they started seeing the tanks and all that being made, they were Looking like CGI. A lot of the armor stuff was just mm. these huge pans of like CGI suits being made. But ultimately, then when the guys in armor with the flamethrowers came to fight, thought that was cool. We had Hulk on Hulk action. True. We had Invincible on Invincible, which didn't even make sense to me when you had the vampire and right. Dorian fighting because they're like, oh, we're just going to cut each other and then heal. And I was like, well, this has to end at some point, right? But then you had humans. Just normal guys, right? With uh, Tom Sawyer, Alan, and M fighting, but we never got invisible on invisible fight, right? That would have been good. That would have been funny. You just you just pan to a hallway and you don't see anything, but you just hear yeah. It would have been funny if it's like two floating around. knives going around and being yeah. like that was close. Like they keep on talking, being like, "Oh boy, that was really close." Like uh, you yeah. almost got me there. I know, just something stupid like that. Yeah. But anyways, that's... You're, that's way, you're a way better writer than the writers on this one. <laughs> oh, there we go. I'm using... It was I'm amusing doing. for a second until you were like, oh, this is no longer amusing. 
<laughs> yeah, but you I mean, know. you give it, you make a three second joke and move on. Yeah. When better, I write better than what we got, movie, I talk it would, about it. It, would, be, it would be funny if they were both like, this is like the greatest fight I've ever been a part of, as yeah. it were, like yeah. invisibly fighting. That. <laughs> yeah, that. see, that would have been really good. Uh, but anyways, ultimately, this movie is, like you guys had mentioned, it's not super great. Now now I'm thinking about it. It would be funny if there was like a one where they were watching the invisible people fight and you could just hear them smacking. Like, yeah. And then at the end, the invisible man's like, yeah, did you guys see that? <laughs> yeah, see? It would have been good, man. It would have uh, been good. That's, that's too far. Too far? And, Not good? It's too and far. with Skinner's character, that's something that would have worked because he's kind of, you know, the cracking jokes guy. So. Right could have happened but ultimately we didn't get that and because we didn't get that i'm gonna come in at a i'm gonna split you guys and put it at three and a half nice wow longest review ever i think that's probably right man should i jump into some trivia there is quite a bit of trivia for this actually we do have a love it oh my god oh my goodness i know zach is on his a game for being absent today so Hold on, gang. Oh, and we've got a cat in the window. <laughs> That's great. Love it. Hate it. Such brilliant source material. Such a bad film. Why? This comes from P. Maranitsi. August 2004. Last night, I watched LXG on HBO. Big mistake. Why? Two reasons. I'd read the graphic novel, and my IQ is over 73, just seconds into the film. I was already shaking my head, both in small details and large. They'd managed to completely botch the job. Painful dialogue, embarrassing special effects, incredibly annoying characters. A script obviously written with dull-witted seven-year-old boys' minds. I'm trying to envision the Hollywood idiots who sat around a conference table and destroyed Alan Moore's witty and intelligent graphic novel. But then I cringe, because by all accounts, Sean Connery was one of them. He must be quite a bit dumber than I had hoped. I can't remember which scene first made me say, good lord, that's even worse than the I dreamed possible, but I know I said it more than once. Oh, and Venice. I've been to Venice and Senator that's no Venice. <laughs> the one thing everyone in the world knows is that Venice has no streets, only canals. So what do they do? Have a car racing all over huge, completely non-existent streets in Venice? Why? What are, are they thinking? So many other things to insult the viewer. A graveyard in Venice. The enormous Nautilus cruising easily through canals that in the real world aren't one one-hundredth wide or deep enough to fit it. Mm. I can't go on. It's Valid. just too awful. Do yourself a huge favor and read the graphic novel instead of seeing this turkey. <laughs> it's true. That's good, guys. Yeah. Oh, is that where we're supposed Highly to say Highly underrated yeah. movie. This comes from Pi LL450 or 450. June 2015. It is so sad to see this movie not extending into a sequel. The movie had an interesting storyline, good graphics, excellent fight scenes, and an awesome twist. People who reviewed this movie and gave it a low score or a review were terrible at reviewing and analyzing anything. I also want to point out that Sean Connery did not retire because of this movie, he did. as some critics claim. He was talking about retirement a few years before he did this movie. 
And to prove all these critics are wrong, it grossed over $178 million worldwide. I own this movie and would have loved to see a sequel. I recommend this movie to anyone who loves fantasy, sci-fi, 10 out of 10. There we go. Love it. Hate it. He did kind of raise a good point. Uh, if there were going to be sequels to this, would Sean Connery have been unretired for those and would have continued his career in this movie? He was, un- tanked he, he was under a three-film contract. Wow. For this? Yeah. Stuart, Stuart Townsend, Dorian Gray was the only one who was not because he argued, I'm dead at the first one. Why do I need to be under a three-film contract? And eventually they relented, even though they originally wanted to sign him to a three-film contract. Yeah, but what's he going to do? Who, Dorian Gray or Sean Connery? Yeah, he's dead. Dorian Gray, I think it was just they were giving everyone three film contracts. And then he was like, no. And they were like, fine. But with Sean Connery, the idea was that he gets resurrected. I know. It makes a lot of sense if you got a bunch of B-list actors. Because, I mean, you're going to give them relevance and prevalence in Hollywood with this film. So you want to get them locked in at a lower price point. All right, should I get some trivia going? Let's do it. All right. So director Stephen Norrington has such a hard time with this movie that he announced he would never direct another movie again. Guess what? Do you think he has? Oh, yeah. He has not. Oh, uh, seriously. He stuck yeah. to his guns. This was the last studio, This was the last film that he's gotten a credit as directing. Uh, he's been in talks him, for huh? doing some other films and stuff like that, but hasn't ever actually done one. Has he done anything else like film related or do you know that? I don't believe so. Not from IMDb. My guess is that wow. he has been doing something within film uh, or special effects or something like that, but hasn't. I mean, it's kind of crazy because he was he was kind of a hot director. He had just done Blade um, and then did this, and that was that. Uh, Sir Sean Connery had a particularly, particularly bad working relationship with him. Uh, they discreet, discreet almost, uh, on almost everything, and there was a kind of a funny story that they said, which was that they did a scene where they all walked down a road – Almost like a Reservoir Dogs or something like that. And they get to the end of it, and Sean Connery's like, great, done. And the director goes, okay, uh, go back to the beginning and let's start again. And Sean Connery's like, you want us to do that again? It's just walking. And he goes, for $18 million, you'll do whatever I say. And uh, Sean Connery like was basically rip shit about that. He's like super angry about that. And then at one point, they got into a uh, crazy shouting match. Uh, where uh, the director challenged Connery to hit him in the face, and Connery walked off set. What? And then he didn't show up at all. The director didn't show up at all to the opening of the film, and people were asking Connery where he was, and he said, check the local asylum. <laughs> yeah. They hated each other. Yeah, there's then, some bad blood. And they basically didn't, neither of them have done a film since. So. Wow. Uh, Sean, Sean Connery was also uh, leading up to this. He had been offered a role in the matrix. He was supposed to be the creator in that. And then he was offered a role of uh, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. And he turned Ooh. down both saying he didn't understand the scripts anymore. Like he w- didn't understand the scripts he was reading. He's like, I don't get it. Like, what is this? And so when those became huge hits, cause that was 1999. And then, well, I guess the creator was in what the second one, which was like 2001 or whatever. And both of those came up. And became huge, massive hits. He was like, "Well, they must be doing something right." So then he took when he was offered this movie, he decided to take it. Uh, okay. Uh, and 
Uh, obviously, it didn't work out super well. But Stuart Townsend, funny enough, was cast as Aragorn. Ar- was it Aragorn or Aragorn? Aragorn. Uh, in uh, Lord of the Rings and actually was cast, officially cast, was on set for several days and they decided he didn't have the right look for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel uh, like plan- he does have the right look for it. I could see him maybe not being able to it, act. He was too uh, young. They said he was, was too young. As, okay. I was going to say, when you see, yeah. you know, Viggo Mortensen tough, yeah. in that role, yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine anybody else. Yeah. A planned sequel was ca- uh, canceled because of the negative critical reaction and poor box office. I mean, technically speaking, it made a bit of money, um, but I think given the budget and given the advertising, and there's, there was a lot of advertising for this, um, I think it kind of ended up being a pretty mediocre return on what they wanted out of it. That ended up being canceled. It was supposed to be, in the end, uh, them battling the Martian tripods from War of the Worlds, H.G. Wells's uh, War of the Worlds. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned, uh, they couldn't use the Invisible Man, so they had to make him an Invisible Man, which is hilarious. Um, Alan Moore was unhappy with this adaptation and has since distanced himself from any other adaptions of his work, including v-, v for Vendetta and Watchmen. He didn't really participate too much in those uh, following this. Um, and in fact, the, the, the creators of the film were sued when it came out because in 1993 and 1996, uh, 20th Century Fox was approached with the idea of a script, which is called Cast of Characters, which was using literary characters uh, as a, a action heroes. Um, and they, what the people who sued alleged was that they had sought out something similar to just take the script that they had written and make it into a movie without having to give them credit. So they had found Alan Moore to create a comic book that they could adapt into something similar. And Alan Moore was angry about that because it was like what you think i'm just going around like for a buck making something for a studio so that they can bypass like rights like come on we were already making this thing and they wanted to adapt it because we were big names so like he was kind of angry that the suit would even come up because obviously he's not just like making something for a studio um in a cutscene, tom sawyer explained that his friend huck finn had been killed by the phantom which is kind of funny i thought that was interesting uh that that was even shot uh, well, that end. got omitted and that tom sawyer actually wasn't <laughs> even a character in the original um screenplay it was supposed to be just a set that you saw but for american audiences they wanted an american literary figure so they included tom sawyer it was added and so uh then yeah then he that last review by zach said that no, it was not true that Sean Connery retired because of this film. And yes, he it's valid that he was already contemplating uh, retirement at that point. But Sean Connery has said that because of the idiots that are running Hollywood and uses this uh, movie as evidence, that's why he officially decided never to do anything again other than voiceover work. He's done a couple things as voiceover. Which is a shame because, I mean, granted, he's 73 at this point and I mean... It is getting up there, but there's a lot of guys who act. Oh yeah, and um, you know, he had he had he had at least probably I think what four or five years following yeah. this that he could have been oh, doing yeah. some stuff. Yeah, uh, and then just I'm not going to really do some trivia. There was some something interesting uh, with Jeopardy in 2006. They had a category where one of them was called "Take This Category Last," and basically it was a warning that said, "Do not take this category." Because you won't, the, the questions won't even make sense because they're based on the questions in the other category. 
And so one of them was called Hero and Villain. So here are some questions. Holmes called the scoundrel the Napoleon of crime, even though he only appeared in two Conan Doyle tales. Is that Moriarty? Hmm. Yep. This 1876 title literary hero returns with a friend in time to hear his eulogy and clear Muff Porter of murder. That's got to no. be uh, Alan. No. Alan, right? No. No? Muff. He returns just in time to hear his own eulogy at his own funeral. He's maybe climbing the in the rafters with his friend. Oh, it's Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. I'm jealous of everyone whose beauty does not die, complains this wild character. Dorian Gray. I give you two bits if you can name this hero of H.R. Haggard's adventure tale, King Solomon's Mines. Now uh, that is Alan. Watermania. Yeah. In subsequent Jules Verne novel, we find that this marine commander is a Raja's son named Prince Dakar. Captain Nemo. Captain Nemo. Yeah. And then... The 2000 of uh, the take this category last was correct responses in hero and villain can be seen in this 2003 film from a graphic novel by Alan Moore. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So kind of interesting. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen actually was an entire category in Jeopardy. And you would think, oh, that was probably some tie in in 2003. No, 2006. Three years later, they were forcing contestants to try to remember League of Extraordinary (laughs) Gentlemen. (laughs) That's great. And then finally, Phantom Zone. Ooh. You got it? Yeah, I've got the Phantom Zone, man. Right here. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. Brahms already spoiled it. We got people from Blow starting, starring Johnny Depp. We got Sean Connery, who's in Hunt for Red October. It's all very easy to go from this. But it's funny that we even have to, because little known fact, but Phantom, starring Ed Harris, was actually originally conceived as a reboot of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And it makes sense, right? Like, the bad guy in it was Phantom, and and then they make a movie called Phantom. It's, it all, it's all tied together, right? Yeah. And so Ed Harris, he was going to play Nemo, obviously. Billy Fickner, he was going to play Tom Sawyer, right? The young book. Uh, David Duchovny, he was going to be Mr. Hyde, and he's a sexy beast, obviously. It makes sense. Um, and they're all going to be battling a g- g- ghost with a laser contraption that David Duchovny invented. He called it the Phantom, and it kills the ghost. It's supposed to be able to kill the ghost that haunts the submarine, uh, the, the titular Phantom, if you will. That's why they called it Phantom, is because there was a ghost on the submarine. And the, do you know who the ghost was in this case? The, the Phantom. Ed Harris? No, Casper the Friendly Ghost, right? Literary hero. Oh. And so, yeah. The, the, so in the end, they actually shot this entire film, and then they recut it later into Phantom that we know now. And so the only surviving aspects of the film is Casper, because he's invisible, so they were able to reuse some scenes. And so you can see it in a couple of times where he's performing some hijinks. In one case, he forces a, uh, a box of oranges to spill all over the place. And that's Casper. He's like forced that guy to spill it. And then Ed Harris, at one point, he's having a seizure, and Casper pulls out his dick. It's like a joke. And that's also Casper in that case. <laughs> wow. Whoa, that's Classic a big Casper. referendum on, a, on our first episode. Wow. Well, no, I mean, I think, I, I, think, I think we just didn't have the context at that point to understand Phantom. Mm. Right. Right. I completely forgot. There were all kinds of like oranges and fruit and stuff being spilled for a while, right? We haven't mm-hmm. seen that. It was, it was, a banana. It was, it was in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. They talked about bananas, bad luck. And we were like, what? And we <laughs> yeah. learned all about how bananas were bad luck. Oh, it's crazy. Bananas we all over the boat on Das Boot. Yep. It's been a while since we've seen some of that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. I have to put you back to the brain. You got memory like a trap, my friend. All righty. It's time for some subs worldwide. It's it's subs subs world worldwide. Okay, so you guys were all probably wondering. I was wondering who in the heck Sean Connery's character was. So I'm not going to talk about the sub. I'm pretty sure I already talked about the Nautilus in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So this is Quartermain worldwide. And you look at this guy, right? You look at everybody else in this movie with the exclusion of Tom Sawyer. Everybody has some kind of power. So we've got invisibility. We've got a vampire. We've got this dude living in a picture who's invincible. We've got some dude who drinks and his inner demon gets a little rowdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got Alan Quartermain, who is a good shot. Yeah. So, I did, like you'd mentioned, I did a little bit of looking up on him. He is from Richard Haggard's story, King Solomon's Mine, from 1885. And in there, he is a big game hunter. Raised in Africa by his widowed Christian father. That was included in his description. He is a big supporter of colonization of Africa by the English, but he seems to hate living in England and the climate. Likes living in Africa. In the books, though, apparently he lives in South Africa, not Kenya. Don't know why you would change it for the movie, but whatever. They did. Uh, and according to the novels, he would have been born in 1830. So the time our movie takes place, 1899, would have been 69 years old, which is close to how old Connery was. He's 73, but, and then something that's, uh, I guess later in his life within the stories, he came to a realization that his, whatever he was doing, he must have been hunting like crazy. His hunting had destroyed the places that he loved most, and he didn't enjoy it anymore, but he still had to hunt because it was the only way he could make money or knew how to live. And, I mean, I was kind of shocked. I didn't realize, I mean, maybe it's because it's like a, a British literary character or something, but there are Wikipedia has 24 publications listed for wow. the Quartermain storyline. I mean, that's a lot. And again, according to Wikipedia, you know who this character has a big influence over? A uh, fictional movie character? Indiana Jones. You are correct. Indiana Jones. Panama Jack? Sure. I don't know if that's accurate. That sounds, you know, whatever. Uh, And Alligator Steve. Avatars. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, Avatars Sam Worthington is (laughs) slated to play Alan Quartermain in an upcoming film. Really? Is he, he, though? Yeah. Because I'm seeing that that article from 2012 saying that. Well, maybe it's not happening anymore. (laughs) Right. Dang it. And so then you might be wondering why Alan Quartermain was brought into the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And I can't answer that. I have no idea. I have no clue why he was included. Other than that he's just like an action, a a big game hunter, right? I mean, 
Yeah, it was because he was supposed to be able to that's, capture that's about it. Jekyll and Hyde, or Hyde. Like that was the point. Is that he's it? Only, that's his only role? His, yeah, basically said they needed Hyde, and they the only person who could capture him was Quarterman. Well, there you go. Now I know why. But I think in reality, the answer is they didn't have anyone in the original graphic novel that fit the age, or the demographic of Sean Connery, so they had to pick someone else. That makes sense. Yeah. They could have made him the Invisible Man, but they probably wouldn't have wanted Sean Connery to be invisible. Uh, hold on. They could have made him an Invisible Man. Sorry. Yeah. They could have made... Uh, there, there's other people in the comic, though, like Dr. Moreau and... Um, well, really, Dr. Moreau, but couldn't they have done... Isn't there a guy in that uh, The Most Dangerous Game, like the bad guy? You're talking about I, the Dr. Moreau of the island of Dr. Moreau? Yes. Dr. Kilmer? I mean, yeah, they could make him that. I mean, there, He's there actually in guys. the comic. Yeah, there were bad guys. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. They, you'd, have to, you'd have to twist him to be a good guy. I was also saying, like, The Most Dangerous Game and the... Yeah, Fu Manchu was supposed to be, I think, was the original bad guy of the comic, but you probably couldn't have been shot Connery, an Asian character. No, I wouldn't make him Fu Manchu. I would try not to do that, yeah. Yeah. You know who I would have liked to see uh, just pop up in this out of nowhere? Maybe like the Predator, something like that. Mm. As like like the enemy? No, he'd be one of the guys. He would be part of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He'd just be sitting down, he'd, yeah, he'd he'd look good on the sitting down hanging out with the Predator. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. That happened actually in AVP. Uh, the human ca- main character teams up with a Predator to hunt an alien. And I'm just not into that. No? Was was it really bad in the movie? Yeah, it's just as dumb. It's like basically the Predator's like, yeah, like high-fiving like a, a human being like, we did it. And it's like, you're a fucking Predator. You look lame right now, <laughs> teaming up with a fucking human. It's like below you. Yeah, like what, honestly, is the human adding to the predator? He's a predator. He's an apex predator, yeah. and really, you should be Plus solo. Plus, the predator's the entire using idea, the human as bait. The entire idea is that the, the predator goes off on a hunt because it's like trying to become like a top apex predator predator, and then it needs to team up with a human? Like, come on. I don't like it. Not into it. And that's the might conclusion have, of might have, Predators Worldwide. I might have Worldwide. to check out AVP then, man. Is that the conclusion? Yeah, that's the conclusion. Uh-huh. <laughs> predators and humans, they should not team up. Mm-mm. Always enemies. Always fighting. Always be fighting. Always. That's a, that's a quote. Always be fighting? Mm-hmm. Is that when the Predator, the, him and his buddy, they go get tattoos <laughs> later in the movie? Right. Always be fighting. Good. And they do a predator high five with each other. Bad yeah. boys for life. And the predator rips his head out in the spinal column, all that good stuff. Good. Hope so. Okay. Brom, you got something for us tonight? Yes. Ooh, buddy. Should we do it? Should we play that music? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm ready to dance. <gasps> Tube three ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. all right okay so i i uh full disclosure (laughs) napped through uh the time i was going to spend working on a very Mm. nice countdown uh 
I was an hour Smash late. Cut. Or was, 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 I was prepared to be an hour late. <laughs> uh, but I threw something together uh, while we were getting set up uh, to take a little deeper dive on eight. Uh, these are the top eight extraordinary gentlemen based on literary icons that appeared in this movie. Uh, so just a little bit oh. of a deeper dive on who these guys are and where they came from. Uh, so eight references to literary icons. Number eight, we're going to start with Alan Quatermain and just going to breeze through this one since you did the deep dive on this. He's from uh, King Solomon's Mines and it's sequels by H. Ryder Haggard, written in 1885. Uh, I'm not going to go any further on that one. Uh, number seven, uh, Mina Murray. This one's a little bit looser uh mina's character was inspired by bram stoker's 1897 gothic horror dracula in the novel she is engaged to harker who becomes imprisoned in dracula's castle after his escape mina is bitten by dracula but soon teams up with abraham van helsing to kill the vampire so uh vampire huntress uh, Van Helsing didn't show up in this. Van Helsing does show up in uh, Penny Dreadful, though. Hmm. Spoiler alert. Uh, I think he dies really early in the series. Man. Yeah. Spoil- I mean, I guess you said spoiler alert. So I did say spoiler alert. You uh, give people like a quarter of a second to pause it right there. Yeah. I, I think I gave him enough time. Uh, number six is The Invisible Man. Uh Holly is loosely based on the character from H.G. Wells's The Invisible Man, so I guess the character's name is Holly in the comic books. And it seems like they were tiptoeing around some stuff in the movie version where they couldn't really call him The Invisible Man. Uh, but Invisible Man, published in 1897, novel chronicles the anti-hero's misguided adventures and crime sprees and his attempts to terrorize 19th century England. The upcoming film, we don't need any of that information. Uh, number five is Captain Nemo. Nemo is based on Jules Verne's incarnation, first seen in the novel 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea from 1870. He is a solitary man, choosing the depths of the ocean over spending very much time on land. Uh, 1850, is that the oldest... That might be the oldest character that he is. Captain Nemo is the oldest character that is referenced uh, in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, number number four is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, from Robert Louis Stevenson's novel, hmm. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, written in 1886. It tells the story of a man tormented by transformation into a hideous, fearless, and malicious beast. Uh, number three is James Moriarty. He is known in literature as the constant adversary of Sherlock Holmes, whose adventures were written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle between 1887 and 1927. He is a mathematical wizard and criminal mastermind who causes the detective much strife. Uh, number two and one, I had to add, that wasn't even on this person's list. I'm like, how did you not catch these guys? Uh, Tom Sawyer is from The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, uh, written in 1876 by Mark Twain. And number one is Dorian Gray from The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde in 1890. 
uh, Dorian as a young boy or young man, I guess, is painted uh, by a famous local artist or whatnot. Uh, and he's captivated by the beauty so much he offers to uh, sell his soul to look the way he does in that moment um, forever. And in, re in return, the painting will age instead of him. So he sells his soul and becomes immortal, basically, uh, and grows mad over time, becomes an evil, murderous, monstrous human being. But those are the top eight extraordinary gentlemen based on literary icons. Did you know that Tom Sawyer was actually in four books by Mark Twain? I thought I, I would have guessed two. He was in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, then The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, then Tom Sawyer Abroad, and then Tom Sawyer, comma Detective. Oh no! I, I knew I knew of I knew of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and I knew of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Didn't know about those last two. Yeah, he made two other books that Tom Sawyer was the main character of. Uh, Tom Sawyer Detective, I think he's actually, I don't know if he's like a teenager or if he's in co college age or something like that, but he's kind of like acting as a detective, solving mysteries, which I think is, I think they even reference in the movie. They say like at one point Tom Sawyer says like, I was a detective, now I'm part of the Secret Service or something like that. Hmm. Really? Wow. Yeah. I just, I, I, it was kind something that I learned when I was, I was looking at some of the trivia. It was basically like Tom Sawyer, little, there was two other little known mo uh, books that he was part of that uh, are kind of referenced in the movie a little bit. It's kind of like um, Ghost Set of Watchmen. It was a Harper Lee or Harper and Lee, whatever her name is, mm -hmm. wrote, uh, wrote a book about, uh, what's her name? Uh, mm. uh, uh, starts with J, right? I don't think Jude so. Jude Law, Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> uh. right? Yeah, J Law, Jude Law. No, the, the uh, what are the, the laws young girl. are we seeing? Um, to Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> to Kill yeah, a Mockingbird. In, in to Kill a Mockingbird, the little girl is named obviously Smash Cut. No. Uh, well, it can be if you want. Uh, no way, man. We still got Zach facts here. <laughs> Are you looking it up? That's going to bother me. I am. Me. I am. Dude, look this up, man. We got to know. Gem. Atticus and Finch's and gem. Scout. And Scout. 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 Yes, Scout. Gem and Scout. Scout grows up to be a lawyer, I'm pretty sure. Oh, man. Yep. It was Jean-Louise Jean Finch nicknamed Scout. And Gem was the J that I was thinking of. Gem. Yep. J-E-M. Yep. And she wrote a book about Scout all grown up. And it sucked compared to the original. Wow. It did? I thought it got, got good reviews. I don't think so. Maybe they're just trying to humor Harper E. Lee in her final years. Hmm. Are you sure it was, it was, it, her name was Scout and not Scat? Like Scat, but be bop bop? Nope, she wasn't a scatter. Yeah, welcome to Scatcast. Scatcast. All things scat. All right, anyways. There's a smash cut in there I think that was a smash cut. Nope. There's not. Oh, that's right, because we got a good Oh, no. Zach Facts. Oh, no. Zach Facts. When you're going down, get some Zach Facts. When you're going down.
Okay, Zach is not here, but like he did with his other things, uh, we have Zach Facts. Zach Facts, it's Oh, he's going to do the song again. <laughs> Good one, guys. So let's do this thing. Zach Facts, all the way, baby. What's the over-under? Over-under, right three and a half. So here we go. Fact number I one. I go under. Three and a half? Under. Sean Connery? More like Sean Bongery. No. <laughs> Apparently, Sean was puffing the magic dragon so much, he started ordering interns to call him Double Low Man 7. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Hold for laughter. Yeah. Good. Hold for laughter. Holding for laughter. Fact number two. More people on Earth think PETA Wilson is the head of PETA than any cow about to get slaughtered. Hold for applause. <laughs> you know, he's, trying to, he's laughing at it. I don't get it. I'm out. Here we it. go. The final fact and the greatest fact of under, all. Under, under, under. If you were to look up this movie on IMDb, there are over 250 plot words for a total of 288 plot words. And here's the best fact of them all. They start like this. Some the, the plot words start like this. Year ni- 1899. <laughs> Mina Murray character. Time bomb. Eternal youth. Portrait. Reference to Oscar Wilde. Professor Moriarty. Invisibility potion. Invisible. Deception. Love. Captain Nemo character. <sighs> Dorian Gray B character. Reference to Sherlock Holmes. Mina Harker character. Dominion. <sighs> Dictator. Overlord. Things. Sucking blood, blood sucker, night. Are you letting him? Assembly team. Is he doing all of them? Male scientist. I have no idea. This doesn't seem like a walk back. It's a sound clip. Woman, handgun, white tiger, male captain, weapon, nighttime explosive, glass fire, male versus female, Erlina Meyer flask. This is not a Zach fact because it's real. Because he's reading up keywords from IMDb. Mustached man, airship, hunter, photograph, man impaled. American Abroad, East London Docks, <laughs> Male Hunter. How long does it go? You gotta stop it. Mr. Edward Hyde character. <laughs> Dorian Gray, based on a comic book. Disowned by author, target practice. Disarming someone, flamethrower, pistol. No. Machine gun, sword, dual brawl, axe, knife, sword, cane, gun, fight, <laughs> vampire, bike, painting, fencing, Dr. Victoria era, suicide pill, falling from height, stabbed in the head, stabbed in the back, shot in the shoulder, hostage. Exploding, building, car accident, winter, sea, elixir, <sighs> underwater, target shooting, suicide, Siberia, shaving, sea, captain, rifle, Siberia, potion, that's monster, not even right. Mirror, library, infiltration, immortality, gramophone, fortress, firework, derogable, crushed to death, cemetery, capture, betrayal, automobile, Kenya, burial, Venice, Italy, London, England, Germany, England, Berlin, Germany, skeleton, murder, vampire, invisibility, Jekyll and Hyde, split personality, American. Radical transformation. Five-word title. Ends with funeral. Superhero team. Action hero. Strong man. Hand-to-hand combat. Fist oh my God. Minor-protege relationship. I got Evil into man, a set. I settled in for a while, and now I'm not into it anymore. Yeah. DC Comics mutation. Studio. Logo, se- logo Sexton th- seeks segways. 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 Warmonger. Martial arts. Dual personality. Based on comic. Title spoken character. That's true. That's half. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> That's your facts. 
<laughs> Boom. Wow. Wow. All right. Woo. Amazing. Man, and just to think, we thought there. we were done and we were doing the smash cut sequence a little bit ago. We were. We were yeah, scatting away. Yeah, you guys were scatting a little bit too long, but do not forget, we right now, more. we have got to get into letters from listeners. And now, it's time for a letter from listeners like you. So we did have this letter last week, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. our episode went so long, I think we're... <laughs> We're getting pretty long here tonight anyway, <laughs> we're, getting but, um, we're getting pretty darn close. Yeah. So we had to push that one off, but now, and it's also much more applicable to our episode tonight. Actually, yeah, that's true. So from Nick, listener Nick, thank you for your question. Which fictional submarines or submersibles do you wish were real and Why? Uh, should, I, should I go ahead? Because I feel like the answer is obvious. I think it is, One. too. Yeah. yeah. So the USS Wet Floater slash the Merv. I think those are the top two. We want those to be real. <laughs> Obviously. But the only problem is that they're not fictional because we're real and we're in a submarine right now. So that's kind of the one problem right. with it. Otherwise, I think the obvious answer is Yellow Submarine because we could all live in on it together and we're best friends. Mm. Mm, I was going to I thought the obvious answer was the one we just watched. The Nautilus. The Nautilus with the, uh, for a few reasons. One, the speed is uncanny. Right. I mean, sure. r- tr- truly impressive and unparalleled by anything moving in the ocean. I mean, that was faster than a, like a speedboat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, they made it all the way to Mongolia, the ice, the ice lakes of Mongolia in like just a couple days. Yeah, uh, two, super luxurious. There was, like, parts in there where it was, like, marble columns. Mm-hmm. and uh, There was a whole statue that, of some, like, war god in there, too. The god Huge. of death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. Gorgeous, gorgeous, ornate architecture. Um, and uh, three, it apparently is amphibious or something because it can navigate canals that are only one meter deep. Very but a, just a quick so. question: Can we can we live on it as best friends and hold hands? Yes. Oh, okay. So in that case, I'm okay. There with you that. go. Now I kind of think the Nautilus from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea that we watched with uh, the late great Kirk Douglas. Hmm. I like. I mean, that one's smaller, a little more maneuverable. When you're talking about, it's huge. I couldn't just take that out for a spin. And we didn't see, I guess this one does have submarine-launched ballistic missiles, which is pretty sick. True. But I didn't see it electrocute anyone. Also true, but they didn't need to. Because yeah. of the ballistic missiles. Because yeah. what happens if a squid attacked? They just blow it to smithereens. But you'd have to have that thing just shoot right back on you, and you'd probably blow a hole right in your side. I don't know. But I think... W- we're all overlooking the obvious answer because it also says submersibles, which I'm going to throw a mini subs here. So mm-hmm. from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, that mini yeah. sub that we heard, you know, great things about and then it just blew up in like the five <laughs> seconds we saw it. I was going to make so, the joke that it was Neptune Factor. So that's the one we learned. Oh, that I was Canadian, thinking that the also. Canadian, uh, the Canadian submersible that comes to the rescue. Yeah, a good one. 
Yeah. But the, the, I mean, there we could definitely hold hands and be best friends, but Ernest Bergman would also be there. Oh yeah. The best I mean, friend I, of all. Is that a perk? I guess that's a perk, right? It's a perk, man. You remember the bromance between Borgnine and Glenn Ford? Yeah, man. He's going to be there for you when you when you kill your own wife and kids. Thank you for listening to Submersion. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating wherever you listen. Want to interact with us? Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also love to get messages from all of you. If you have a suggestion, a comment, or just anything you'd like to share, please email us at maceaststudios at gmail.com. 